Hello, and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Welcome to the second part of our future focus discussion with Dr. Michael Dennis, a geodesist and state plan coordinate system 2022 project manager for NGS. He joins us today to talk about the proposed state plan coordinate system of 2022 and what exactly is changing from NAD 83 to the new system. He gets into the weeds with the potential of new zone configurations and the zoned layer concept. So, without further ado, let's jump into the coordinate systems with Dr. Michael Dennis on this future focus episode of Surveyor Says. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. This one is going to be a little bit different focus than our previous episode with uh, Mr. Michael Dennis joins me again today. Uh, before we talked about uh, everything concerning the foot, uh, today we're going to talk specifically state plane with the 2022 changes. And uh, well, welcome, Michael. We appreciate you picking time out to be here with us. Uh, you know what? I better for those who didn't hear the first one. Uh, for those who don't know uh, Michael Dennis, crawl out of your cave, crawl out of your hole, because uh, uh, you should have heard of his name in uh, in many circles. Um, and he'll probably tell you good and bad, but but that's okay. Um, <laughs> he's he's a geodesist and uh, the the state plane coordinate manager for the 2022 system for NGS. And so welcome, Michael. And uh, what are, what are we talking about today with state plane? Hello, Tim, and hello, everyone that's listening. Um, today, we're talking about the fact that state plane's changing, and unlike the previous version of the state plane, there's a real opportunity for states and the stakeholders within those states to request and propose a state plane system that, that benefits them the most. Um, sort of making it their way is kind of the focus today. Nice. Well, oh, I guess... Part of the questions I hear when when uh, mountain about and we're talking about these this upcoming changes, what's so special about why are we changing now? I mean, we went from 27 to 83. Well, it's granted it's going on 40 years, but what what's what's predicating a, a change now? Well, the the real reason behind it is we're changing the underlying datum. Now we're calling it a terrestrial reference frame. Uh, these names are kind of funny, but that's basically the latitudes and longitudes are going to change and, uh, by a few feet or so, and Lipswood Heights too. So as part of uh, changing the reference frame, it's necessary really to change, change in, in some sense, change state plane coordinates as well, so they're distinct from their predecessors. The um, the absolute minimum we would have done about changing state plane is just change, say, the false easting and or false northing, so the coordinate values would be different, but otherwise keep the definitions the same. That was originally what we were thinking of doing, but we've opened it up a lot more for with the idea that, well, if we're going to change it, why not find out what sort of changes people actually want? Right, right. Um, do we have a new name for these, these new state plane coordinate systems? Is it what... 20, uh, state plane 22 or what uh, what are we calling it well our the official name for it in-house or then the public facing name is the state plane coordinate system of 2022 and and this names have evolved a little bit but we're trying to keep it consistent so the previous one's called the state plane coordinate system of 1983 so that's the only real difference okay okay well and 
I think you've t you you touched on it a little bit. I mean, I, how much di I mean, how much difference? I mean, what are we talking the basis of why these things are different? What what has changed since '83 versus now? Well, I think the I guess the biggest realization that's occurred over the years with state plane is we found I found in my professional practice and working at NGS. Um, that people tend to take state plane coordinates and change them. <laughs> they quote unquote scale them to ground. I mean, they they work right. on the topographic surface of the Earth. So why not? So why not provide them in a way that reduces that kind of error? In other words, we're looking at creating a, the main change between state plane 27 and 83 and state plane 2022 is that the zones will be designed to minimize. Uh, linear linear distortion at the topographic surface. In other words, we're trying to minimize the difference between grid and ground. Okay, so I was just going to say uh, that that term right there, linear distortion, uh, confuses a lot of surveyors. Yeah. Um, I mean, what are we talking about when we're saying linear distortion? What what what's what's the the whole premise behind that? Well, linear distortion. I know it's maybe kind of weird sounding. All it is is the is the combined factor. The combined factor is a measure of linear distortion, right? And so right. Um, it's just the difference between the distance between a pair of points and as projected, you know, the map or grid distance between them versus what you, the horizontal distance you would actually measure at the ground surface. So that's, and, and that's all it is. It's actually pretty simple. We just use that different language because um, we express it differently. You know, when I say combined factor, uh, a surveyor usually think of a number that's pretty darn close to one, a little bit smaller, or a little bit bigger. It's like you might say the combined factor is 0.99998. Now, how many nines did I just say? Yeah. <laughs> uh, three, four, five, I'm not sure. So those numbers are real awkward. So when I talk about linear distortion, I'll talk about it in 20 parts per million. I mean, in parts per million. So point, if I say four nines and an eight, point nine 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 eight, that's negative 20 parts per, parts per million distortion. Right. So there is assistant a convenient way to talk about essentially the combined factor uh, when you have a very close to one. In other words, where the difference between grid and ground is small. Okay. Okay. And I think that's what, what people are, surveyors specifically, are having trouble grasping is that, that have we been measuring, not necessarily wrong all along, but how inaccurate have we been all along? And I think that's part of what I think they're missing is that we've just gotten that much better with technology and our accuracies and the ability to, to especially measure over long distances. Um, and that's where this distortion really comes into play if not not taken into into effect uh, confidently and accurately. Um, so I guess uh, looking at looking at some of the other the other aspects i mean what are we talking about when we're talking different zone is there like zone layers or something along those lines yeah that's um that's something that most people think is pretty weird right so but it turns out it's not unique there's actually one state in state plane 83 that has layers and that's kentucky kentucky has its two lambert conformal conic zones that it's had since state plane 27 but in 2001, in fact, this is the last change that was made to State Plane 83, they added a statewide zone layer. Okay. So if you get a data sheet for any NGS horizontal control mark in Kentucky, it'll have both. It'll have okay. the statewide zone and whichever of, of the other two zones they're in. So we have that now, which catches some people by surprise. And one thing we found pretty fast when we were trying to get feedback from people and and 
especially now with the with GIS, people want would like to have a zone that covers their entire state, and that's kind of how it got started. So the idea is um, a state like Kentucky could have a statewide zone plus its two zones, or like Arizona, a statewide zone and its three zones, um, because for state statewide applications of GIS, they need to have a consistent geometry for the entire state. They can't have it broken into zones. They need to do something. And people often end up using UTM, even if it's wildly inappropriate and all kinds right. of things. So there was a lot of excitement. On the other hand, if I have one zone for all of California, um, that's probably too much distortion, more than surveyors want. So they'll be able to keep their multiple zones too. And that may just simply be in their case, the six zones they're used to right now. Right. Those well, would be uh, two layers. Okay. Well, that, okay. That, that makes sense. Yes. Um, well, okay. Say, so, so for instance, Kentucky, they've got, got their two, their two original zones and now one overall. Is that overall zone, is it, is it that much less accurate for a surveyor to use or has it, has it been defined well enough that a surveyor could use either layer? Well, that's a really good question. Um, in fact, we can look at a different state, even Montana. Okay. Uh, in State Plane 27, it has three zones, but in State Plane 83, it has one. Montana's a big state, but they made the decision that they could deal with it. And for, you know, this, I think the thing that's confusing about it is it's, it's not that one's more accurate than the other. You, you're, you're, the coordinate value itself in terms of the location on the surface of the earth is just as accurate with any, no matter how big the zone is. The, it, the problem is the relationship between point pairs, right? If you want to know the distance right. between a pair of points and you want to be close to something on the ground, you have to quote unquote, do something, either define a new projection, scale that projection to ground or give the combined factor on your plat or plans, right? That's kind of what, right. so in Kentucky, they they could do that. A surveyor certainly could use the Kentucky statewide zone and use it kind of like the all way they've always used state plane in just the ways that I mentioned. What I found though, and this has become more common, is it's because it's not just surveyors, right? It's also engineers. They they right. well, engineers are maybe even a better example because they really don't necessarily know about this coordinate system stuff. So they might not really understand the ground to grid to ground thing in the first place all that well, but they want those coordinates to be what you'd measure on the ground, at least reasonably. So there's been a lot of um, interest in creating systems where it's even less distortion. That would be these so-called low distortion projections, which I could hit on in so, some more detail as we go on. Sure, sure. Well, I guess that's, I'm, for instance, I'm located here in Illinois. We're we're proposing going from right. from east and west zones, two zones in the, the length of Illinois, to one one full zone that's going to that'll cover all of Illinois, and then these low distortion uh, projections we'll talk about later. But mm -hmm. um, I guess I'm just trying to think how do we make that sell on to the surveyor going to the one going just going to the one zone if rather than hitting all these these regional uh ldps well, i just want to i'm just going to do everything in my business under the, the the one zone is that is that a smart practice in your mind or is is, is that uh is this more is that should that be for more of a mapping community that's an interesting question like, like i said in in principle you could just use say the the statewide illinois zone for engineering and surveying applications, the distortion is small enough that you could 
just indicate it on whatever your product is with the combined factor for your project or whatever, or scale it to ground or something. Um, but it you know, wasn't really envisioned that way. It's, I don't think there's anything to prevent some organization from doing that. But I think the idea was if you're in a certain area of the state and you're and you want to have low distortion, just use these predefined low distortion projections because they're optimally designed to minimize distortion within each of their zones. So people would get the kind of the beauty of it is it's a zero step process. They just use that projection, use that coordinate system. There's no worrying about combined factors because you're so close to ground anyway, just use it straight. And a big advantage of it is since it's quote unquote defined, officially defined with a rigorous map projection, all the different geospatial software would understand it. So your survey could go straight into GIS just by the GIS analyst hitting the add button and your survey just shows up. No one needs to rotate or change it or do anything to it. It's just in the right place. So that's one of the real powers of that approach. Okay, that makes that makes total sense. Now, say say for instance, my state of Illinois, when they're looking at this, they're seeing that we're going to have have a uh, have a, a state plan coordinate change. What is the problem? I mean, I guess they would be considered a stakeholder moving forward. How would how do they go jump into this process of telling telling an NGS that we want a single zone, we want to do uh, these regional zones? How do they go about doing that? Oh yeah, that's um that's a good question. It's a little late in the game. I have to admit, yep. I've been giving presentations and whatnot about this for a while. Um, we're up against a deadline on that, and that deadline is the end of this month for for a state to request that NGS design zones for them or propose that they design zones themselves. And that would be for zones like low distortion projections, because NGS doesn't have the resources to design a whole bunch of little zones for a state. Um, in any case. The deadline's really close. The good news on that is those, the form, we have an online form at the NGS website at geodesy.noaa.gov under state plan coordinates. You go in there, there's a form for doing it. It's super simple to fill out. There's very, very little information, technical information especially. You almost don't have to know anything about what you're going to do. You're just proposing or requesting something. The hard part is getting people to agree. So the key thing about that is gathering up your stakeholders and, and getting everybody on the same page so you're all agree that this is what you're asking for because we want we kind of have to do it this way we can't have different groups asking for different things because we we don't want to be the the gatekeeper on that we want it has to be unanimous from a state so that's that's the hard part right now however if it may be that there's some some people listening to this podcast right now are in a state where they have agreed essentially are so close that they could and go ahead and submit a form again you don't need to really know exactly what you want right now the main thing is to get it in especially a proposal for low distortion projections they can just take a if they think that's what they want to do they can send that in and you know what the worst case is maybe they don't do it at all in the okay. end but at least the proposal will be in yeah so again getting the stakeholders to agree oh one more thing i want to say on that because it's a source of confusion and i can say what the stakeholders are in a minute if i need to People have gotten the impression that they need to have all the stakeholder groups listed, but it's not true. It only takes one stakeholder group, let's say a Department of Transportation. It just takes one as long as no one disagrees. Now, it's better to get more. I mean, that's just always a better thing to do in life. Right. More people to agree, but they don't have to because not all stakeholder groups are represented in every state, or at least not all are engaged. So it would be unfair to require all of them. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, I guess 
here we are recording first part of March. Um, yeah. how, how, how are we doing on our state list? Yeah, is oh, it's it's doing pretty good, you know. Well, now well, good, right? good. Right, so, but you know how people are. I'm this way. I wait to the, de the deadline. <laughs> so, of course, of course. And I just got. Uh, I'm they're starting to come in pretty much every day now. I think well, I good. have 18, 18 states represented with requests and or proposals now. And and there's more I know will be coming in because I've talked to them. Sure. Um, and they're yeah. So. I'll probably get a whole bunch of them the last week of the month, I'm guessing. But you know, it's been rewarding because they, the customers care about state planes, so we're getting a lot of uh, a lot of people contacting us about it. Well, that's good. Now, when they're making these requests, uh, are, I guess what kind of criteria are you guys looking at at NGS when they're requesting, say? Uh, either changing from like say for instance illinois changing from two zones to one one overall zone what kind of criteria are you looking at to 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 be able to say yes we we can move forward with this type of system well yeah so and, and i know the whole thing gets maybe a little more complicated i uh one thing that we're doing as part of this is every state gets a statewide zone they don't have to ask or say anything now they can put in a request saying, oh, we want it to have certain characteristics like certain false northings and eastings and things like that or something. Um, the, the NGS will do the design in general just because it's the bigger zones have their own peculiarities. Uh, however, let's using a, a, another example from a different state, Idaho, they have three zones right now in state plan 83. And of course they're getting a statewide zone no matter what, that's mm -hmm. no problem. But they, for the three zones, they actually sent a request to NGS to redesign, reconfigure their state at the lowest distortion we were willing to go down to, which we say is 50 parts per million, right? So um, we we would go that low to, to design zones for them, and they wanted us to do it using county boundaries but not splitting up any of their major towns. That was basically the it. They said um what they wanted they actually said they wanted nine zones and i thought there's no way they're gonna get nine i told them i said you're not gonna get nine zones and to my great surprise <laughs> they got nine zones and that oh, was wow. me doing the design it's just because the topography is so extreme it was hard to whittle that distortion sure. down with and the counties are so big out west so it was it ended up that way um so yes a state could since the the bigger states anyway the states that have more than one zone uh the, usually those zones are designed to about 100 parts per million um, at the ellipsoid, not at the topo surface. That's one part in 10,000, right. the traditional state plane. So a lot of those states could end up with more zones if they requested NGS to design those zones for them. Now, they wouldn't be what most people think of low distortion projections, but they would be less distortion than the state has with existing state plane right now, if that made sense. I know some of this gets a little hard to to oh, it does. The... No, that does. Um, you know, say and say some of these bigger states that that are wanting to put together these low distortion projection areas. Realistically, how what's the what's the maximum number of areas that you could that a state could? Uh, I don't know. Do, does the state have to propose those? I mean, the design of those, or is that something we just say we want? We the state want it as tight as we want, and so NGS tell us what we can do. Yeah, for for a request, you would um, what I and I will obviously have. I'm happy to talk to people about it when they have a, make a request. But the idea is that they they could re 
request something of us and we want to go to your lowest distortion design criterion of 50 parts per million and redo our state and here's some they might even have layout that they want already as long as it's reasonable it's not a whole bunch of zones and there's some rules of thumb about about the sizes of the zones um, so a 50 parts per million is about it's about 112 miles wide okay. if there's no topographic relief but once you get throw relief in weird shapes it can be different but that gives people sort of an idea by comparison the traditional width of a state plane zone is 158 miles just to give you a kind of a feel for it so okay. we would do that as a request and um we're not getting a whole lot of those it's kind of what i expected and though we are getting some i'm going to do it for alaska it looks like and i just did idaho and and these other states are fussing around trying to decide. Now, if they want less distortion, they want the lotus, let's say 20 parts per billion, which is a common criterion for getting distortion so low that you can kind of ignore it. Um, then the states have to design themselves and they would propose it. Though for the proposal, they don't have to really know how many zones they're going to have because you don't really know that until you do it. So just if they just tell us, and they're saying how many they think there'll be. The, the reason we're doing that now is so they put us on notice that they're doing it and also for us to catch anything weird. Like if a state says, well, we're going to have 800 zones. I'll say, whoa, we need to talk first before right. we go down that path, right? Depending on the size of the state, that's, uh, that's too many, right? That means they're going to be tiny. And that's where our limitation is, is on the size of the zones. Okay. Well, and you were saying the deadline for making all these requests and proposals is the, it's the end of March 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, what's the final, is there a final deadline for any kind of designs moving forward? What, what's the drop dead date for NGS to has to have these in for final review and acceptance? Is there, is there a date out there yet? Yeah, it's one year later. So March, uh, 31st, 2021 is for the actual designs and they, they need to be based on an approved proposal. So that's why the proposals are ah, important now. So you propose it, we say, and I've approved several already. In fact, two states are complete. They're done. They have their designs submitted. They're completely done. Um, that's Kentucky and Iowa. Nice. So some are really on the ball about it, and there's some that I know that are far down that path already. So it is happening. Well, this sounds like it's something that's kept you obviously busy uh, yeah, besides promoting it and explaining it, but then also behind the scenes working on all of this. Um, is all this effort to, to, to I guess, to, to, to make these, these areas that are th that much more, less distortion and such, Michael, in the end, is this all going to be worth it? <laughs> I don't know. You know, so. <laughs> yes, you do. You I feel like the low distortion projection poster child and people think I'm, you know, and some, you know, it's a funny thing. Some people love them. They think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Other think they're the spawn of Satan. So <laughs> there's a diversity of opinion, not unlike the U.S. survey foot and international foot thing. Only this one. Yeah. Anyway, what it comes down to for me uh, is, you know, whatever works best. If someone, if someone's objective is to minimize distortion over the largest possible area, possible, those things are in conflict with one another. So there is a best way to do it. And I'm just trying to try to guide people towards that best way. If they really don't care about that and want to ha handle it in a traditional way by scaling the ground, which has advantages, but I think it has actually more disadvantages. But at any rate, I'm not going to make that call. If people want to do it. For example, like you said, why not 
could a surveyor use the Kentucky statewide zone instead? Of, they have seven, Kentucky now will have seven low distortion projection zones and one statewide zone. Those will be its two layers, just okay. to be an idea. Yeah, but they could, look at Montana. They use the, the, the Department of Transportation uses their statewide zone and they just scale it to ground where they need it. Right? And in a lot of places, they just use it straight out of the box as is and just uh, state the combined factor, I believe. Okay. So it's it's interesting. There's more than one way to skin this cat. Yeah, so we're yes. trying to be sensitive to what people want, and we want it to be from groups. You know, I can get a, a very excited email from somebody one way or the other, but if it's one person not represent, representing a group, we can't act on it. And it needs to be that way because it's when people get together and are forced to talk about it, <laughs> where they have to, to uh, debate the merits and liabilities. It solves problems. It gets more buy-in, and it makes people think things through. And we love—that's great. If they think it through first and then come to us, that's better for everybody. Sure, sure. No, that makes total sense. Um, one thing I did write down here, I wanted to ask you because I've heard this in a couple of different conversations, and I'll be honest, I don't know that I—I I, well, I want to talk to talk to the source. What is a special use zone? I—I've heard the term, but I'm not—I'm not total totally familiar with it. It's an interesting thing, you know. Uh, they didn't. I don't. They didn't have a. They didn't have a name like that. But they are actually were allowed in State Plan 83. They're in a 1977 Federal Register notice as part of the definition of plane coordinate systems for NGS. And the idea at that time was well, they knew that some large metropolitan areas fell fell right on zone boundaries or state boundaries. Uh, you know, okay. Chicago, St. Louis, whatever. So they have had this idea that they're about making a special zones that could go beyond a state boundary to handle these situations. Now, no one ever pursued that, probably because most people don't even know it's in there. And we were very, very, uh, not very accommodating for State Plan 83 in terms of people making changes. Sure. So that's how that got started, this idea. And when I brought that up and I made it part of the project plan, but I also, I live in Arizona and we have the Navajo Reservation, Navajo Nation. Yeah. Ah, okay. And it's in three different states, right? It's in five different state plane zones. It has two UTM zones. It's huge. Sure. So that's a great example of one where you can't say it belongs to any one state, so it isn't really part of a state, but it could have its own zone, and that would be an example of a special use zone right there. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I just, I, you know, I've always wondered about about that with some of these larger metropolitan areas. Could mm -hmm. they? Could they petition and put together a plan to, to have their own zone? I mean, it, you know, that's one thing about working in the city of Chicago with uh, right. with, with the datum being basically zero and uh, try, always trying to relate that back to, well, depending on the map you're using, whether it's uh, uh, NGVD 2029 or uh, NAVD 88, just depends on where you're at. I just I that I wondered about that a larger area now, but your your uh, your reservation makes excuse me, makes a total, total sense, especially when it's, it's going across uh, many, uh, many boundaries. So yes. that's, that's a, that's a great, great, uh, great example. Um, I don't know, as we're winding up our time here, like we normally try to keep these under 30 minutes or so, sure. um, anything that uh, you want people to know about the, the state plan court system of 2022 that, that maybe we haven't touched on any, any final thoughts? Well, you yeah, probably the most useful thing for me is if people read the stuff that we have out there. I know that's asking a lot. So I'm going to refer now 
in a, just a little bit of detail to our, our website again. It's geodesy.noaa.gov. That's our homepage. Over on the left-hand side of the page are quick links. One of them is state plane coordinates. That takes you to the state plane coordinate system landing page. And then there's a button that says SPCS 2022 policy. Now you go there and then, and nobody wants to do this, but I want people to know it's there as a resource. The policy and procedures for State Plane 2022 are PDFs available for download on this page. And, and people can read through them. Procedures in particular are pretty long. All the details about the technical characteristic of State Plane 2022. Also on that page are the forms. There's two forms, the zone request and proposal form, the same form can be used for either request or proposal, and the zone design submittal form, which is for that when the, a state wants to do their own designs and submit those designs to us. The reason I'm going on so long about this part of it is that zone design submittal form has a cheat sheet, in essence, on the second page. I probably should have put this in the procedures themselves, but page two of that form it's a list of yes, no answers, and you go down there, and the idea is that you um, say yes to everything, because if you say no to any single thing in those questions, that means you have to request an exception, mm. and they're not necessarily easy to get, an exception for policy and procedures. So it's a great, quick way to say, oh, I, okay, these are all the characteristics that need to be satisfied, okay, and then be good with it, and if there's anything you want different, be aware that that's going to you might not get it, right? So they right, required the director right. granting an exception. I, and I just want to point that out because I get a lot of questions about this, that, and the other thing, and that's just a really fast way for people to look and see, you know, a, a quick way to see what the requirements really are without having to read through the policy and the procedures themselves. Very good. Well, we will definitely add uh, links to all of these, uh, the, the sites and, and various information to everything we've talked about today with uh, the state plan quarter system of 2022. Um, I do have one ask. I, I would like for you to come back at some point in time, uh, especially as the states get a little more set in, in their, in their, uh, their proposals and their requests. Uh, could we expand on it on LDPs, low distortion projections at some point in time? Let's. Uh... Sure. Yeah. There's probably quite a few things. So after, um, you know, once the deadline hits, for the requests and proposals, that kind of locks things down for a while because we'll, people will have, just have to wait um, until this thing rolls out probably before they can make other changes. So we'll know a lot more about right. what states are actually going to do. Then we can get into some of the particulars and not be so hypothetical, say this state's doing that and, and whatever. And then exactly. also on low distortion projections themselves, um, what I think is going to happen is that not every state's going to get their, their form in in time. Um, or not even close, right? And then they'll look around and see what happens, what other states are doing, said, oh, I wish we did that. <laughs> and, right. And then we'll be able to. So one difference with, it's actually not really a difference, it's just more uh, built in, is more flexibility. If people want to make a change later, they, they will be able to. It won't be as hard as it was with State Plane 83. There's going to be a process and allow people to um, have State Plane evolve to suit their needs going forward too. So if you don't make it, so in other words, don't freak out. If you don't make it by this deadline, there'll still be other opportunities later. Good, good. Yes, well, we, you definitely have an open invitation to come back. We'll talk about uh, right. what, what the states have, have requested and what's kind of looking like our roadmap going down, down the road for 
various states and uh, the LDPs. And yeah, let's let's dig into the LDPs a little bit more because I think for a big part of the surveying community, they I think they think they know what they are, but I don't know that they really uh, know the full potential of what could what's going to be down the road with with these low distortion projections uh, and and really what what they can expect uh, once these are put in place. Especially, I think part of it also is just the the curiosity with what's going to happen with the software going forward too. So, mm, right, so right. we can we can touch on that at another time. So, but in the meantime, thank you for joining me. We we uh, we always appreciate having you on. We appreciate you having around with uh, at NSPS to help us uh, educate us in various uh, forms. And uh, glad you survived the the uh, the den of wolves last year with uh, with our <laughs> our directors group. Um, but uh, you're definitely they actually awesome. They were. Yep. I got such a good good reception that I I couldn't believe it. I thought they'd chase me out, but they didn't. They, they well, invited me to their states. That's what happened. They invited me to talk. Well, that's that's good. You know, and I, and I had said in our our previous podcast, you know, th that's one thing that uh, that I've always appreciated about your your information is it's also yes, very very high end stuff, but it's coming from a surveyor, and this it's it's all applicable to what we're doing today, especially with the technology we have today that. Mm -hmm. Uh, the the practitioner needs to understand what what's kind of going on inside that black box, as we always used to call it. Yeah. That, uh, and you're you're helping explain uh, the the ins and outs of where we're going with it. So definitely always appreciate your input on everything and guiding us down this tricky road. My pleasure, Tim. So with that, we'll uh, we'll invite Michael back again, and uh, we'll talk again another day. Thank you. Thank you. listening to Future Focus with Dr. Michael Dennis here on Surveyor Says Podcast. Much more is still to come with system changes in the states, so Michael will be back to provide updates on what to expect. For additional information, please visit the NGS website at geodesy.noaa.gov. In the coming weeks, we will have another Future Focus episode with Ana Rios, a Texas surveyor who has been making a mark for herself with not just her involvement with the NSPS Young Surveyors, but with organizing the Women's Survey Summit last year in Austin and again this year in August in Virginia. We will talk about how she found surveying and what the profession has done for her. If you have any questions, please send them to info at nsps.us.com and put Surveyor Says in the subject line. And remember, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And watch our website, nsps.us.com, for information on future episodes. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.